Hello and welcome. My name is Uncle Sean and I'm so glad you could join us again today for our reading of Nicholas the Bringer by Sean Canelli. We'll be reading chapter 11 today, entitled Encircled, so let's begin. It had been several days since the dream. At times Nicholas wondered if it had been the fabrication of his morning mind, a pleasant fantasy to calm his aching heart. Then he would look at the endless bag when no one was looking and pull out the director. Each time he found the sphere pulsing with life and light, and each time he knew that this was a power that he could neither control nor deny. This was also a power that never brought him harm. Only good seemed to come of its power, and good was something Nicholas needed now more than ever. So he decided to try it. Hoping to curry favor with the gods, or whatever mystical power made the sphere work, Nicholas donned his red cloak and the crimson cap while the elfarim were distracted and snuck outside with the endless bag. As he exited the warren and climbed the steps to the surface, the late afternoon sunshine and cold air welcomed him like a brother. Nicholas breathed in the crisp mountain air, the smell of fir and pine invigorating his mind and body. It was the first time he had left the warren since they buried Apollo, and he could see the grave marker of the rearing stallion peeking out of the snow from across the frosty glade. He also saw Dunder, his head popping up almost the instant Nicholas stepped out. The deer left the herd and trotted over him, with Blixum following. Nicholas received him with open arms and tenderly rubbed Dunder's face against his own in a heartfelt display of newfound friendship. Feeling left out, Blixum grunted, wanting some attention as well. Nicholas smiled as he scratched her head behind the ears and between the antlers, the deer basking in the attention. Ready to experiment, Nicholas reached into the bag. He felt the director come into his hand and pulled the sphere out, displaying it before the deer. Shall we give this a try, Nicholas said. I trust you know how this works. The deer looked at the sphere with curiosity, as if waiting for their next command. Nicholas took a deep breath, trying to clear his mind as he prepared to make the attempt. He looked around, making sure there was no one, woodland creature or Alpharim, that would interrupt things. Then, after self-consciously clearing his throat, <coughs> he began. Dash away! The sphere pulsed with a glow as the words were uttered, and the deer became excitable. Dash away! The sphere pulsed again, even brighter, the swirling luminescent snowflakes moving even faster. The air was electric with anticipation. Dash away all! The snowflakes moved even faster, but stayed in the sphere. He tried the words again, but again nothing happened. What was he doing wrong? Then he remembered the words of the woman in white. You must first believe, or they will not fly. Nicholas realized he had doubts. Not just doubts about flying reindeer, but doubts about everything. Worst of all, he doubted that he could ever give himself over completely to anything or anyone. Part of him held back, afraid of what might happen if he really put himself out there. But what did he have left to lose? Perhaps it was time to let go and just see what happened. It was time to believe. Either that or walk away altogether. He knew he needed to cast all doubt aside if he truly wanted to make this work. Nothing else would do. Not even a magic cloak. Summoning all the faith he could muster, which was pretty weak, 
He decided he would focus all his energies into the task at hand. He would make reindeer fly. He raised his sphere again. Dash away. The director responded, impulsed with light and energy to his words. Dash away. The snowflakes activated and looked as if they were about to burst out of the sphere at any moment. Dash away all, Nicholas said with a confidence he lacked in the prior attempts. The snowflakes burst out of the sphere and swarmed through the deer and... Great guardians, Ben said from behind. You found it! Nicholas turned, holding the director behind him. Found what, he said, trying to act dumb. The director, of course, Ben said. You need not hide it from me. I will not tell the others, unless you wish me to. Nicholas relaxed and brought the director in front of him. I see you found your cloak and your cap. I was cold. Yes, it is rather frigid out here, Ben said with a knowing smile. The deer have taken quite a liking to you. They have. It has been a nice change, Nicholas said, not wanting to offer more. He could tell Ben was assessing the situation, but he was not ready to tell him more. Not yet. Well, Ben said, I will leave you to your work, whatever it is. And if you decide you want help, I will be here. Ben turned and walked back to the warren. Nicholas was amazed at the little man's trust. He of all the Elfarim had every reason to doubt Nicholas, especially after how he treated him at the wall. Yet here he was giving Nicholas his full confidence and support. It reminded him of his father Melchior and how he believed in Nicholas even when Nicholas doubted himself. And that was a trust that he had to return. Ben, Nicholas called out. The little man turned to face Nicholas. I had a dream, he said hesitantly, choosing to expose his real purpose. A dream, you say, Ben said. From that dreamwalker? The same, Nicholas said. You should tell Jeremiah. He can advise you best. But when you are ready for a new blade, come and see me. I have a few surprises for you. You are a true friend, Benjamin. I am more than that. I am your brother, Ben said as he extended his hand and pulled Nicholas into a manly hug, patting him on the back. As he turned to go, Caleb appeared at the top of the steps and spotted the director. The director? Caleb frowned. You found it! We are saved! I must tell the others! And with that, Caleb bounded back down the stairs. That's out of the bag, Ben commented to Nicholas, so to speak. Yes, Nicholas replied. I imagine it is. Nicholas! Rachel yelled, galloping into the glade on Lily. Rachel? Nicholas said. Rachel rode up and climbed down from Lily, running into his arms. This is a most pleasant surprise, Nicholas said. I never thought I would see you again. Please forgive me for not believing you. Jude was in league with Krampus this whole time. And now Krampus is arresting children for playing with your toys. That son of a jackal. Jessica's father, Hannibal, said he and the other vigils will take the matter directly to Senator Claudius, but they need your help. Then they shall have it. And ours with it, Ben said. Dunder came up and licked Nicholas' hand. Nicholas scratched his head between the antlers like a faithful dog. The deer really have taken a liking to you, Rachel said. Where is your horse? Nicholas took a deep breath. Apollo died from his wounds. No, he was such a beautiful animal. He was my friend. It was hard. Though I miss your father more. Rachel teared up for a moment. He would be proud of what you have done for the children in sight. 
Oh, Nicholas, I am so very sorry. Do not worry yourself. All will be made right. Then Ben noticed movement in the trees near them. A Roman riding a black horse galloped out from the woods at the edge of the clearing. The deer saw the threat and swiftly formed a protective barrier. We must get inside at once, Ben said. Seeing the threat as well, Nicholas and Rachel hurried to the steps of the warren, but not before they were spotted by the soldier. They are here, the soldier yelled. The soldier rode directly for them, hoofs kicking up snow as Ben, Nicholas, and Rachel ran down the steps of the warren to safety. Once inside, they heard a huge boom that shook the warren and caused dirt to fall from the rock ceiling. I love dunder, Nicholas said as he raced into the great hall. Those filthy Romans have found us, Ben announced. What? Ben, Caleb said, running in. How? They may have followed me, Rachel admitted. No matter, Ben said. They will never get past the deer. What is the matter? Jeremiah said, arriving in the room. Soldiers, Ben said. The deer will take care of them. Come and watch. You can see them through the viewers. Ben motioned for them to follow. The other men arrived from the hallway and followed the group. They went down a set of stone stairs and then back up to a wide landing with a low ceiling filled with roots, exposed stones, and wood beams. Between two beams hung three long L-shaped wooden boxes that were open on the ends with brass edges and handles that stuck out on each side. These were the viewers. Ben, Caleb, and Jeremiah each put their faces up to the open end of the viewers and grabbed the handles on each side. Ben rotated his viewer. There they are. I count at least thirty, maybe more, Ben said. And they have her horse. Come, have a look. Ben knelt and looked into Ben's box. He was astonished to see a view of the reindeer. They had fanned out into a defensive barrier, and he could see Krampus and his men getting to their feet with some pulling bows and taking aim at the deer. Nicholas pulled back fast, worried he would be hit, and knocked his head on the wooden beam above. Ow, he said, rubbing his head from the pain. They are taking aim at the deer. We must stop them. The elf ream smiled as if it was nothing. That will not bode well for them, Jeremiah said as he turned. Those deer are timeless. They drink from the waters of life. You cannot kill them, but you can make them very angry. They took refuge in some kind of cave below that tree, the soldier reported to Krampus. That is curious, Krampus said. Are we sure they have not escaped? They have not been seen since our arrival. We have surrounded the entrance, but the deer refused to move. Huh, how fortunate. <laughs> Tell your men to prepare their bows. We will be eating venison tonight. Yes, sir, the soldier said with a smile. Krampus was unsure if these deer were anything like the ones from the arena, but he was not about to allow them to stand in his way. He had his prey cornered, and it was time to put a swift end to these mischief-makers. After all, what could eight tiny reindeer do against trained soldiers? On my signal, Krampus said. Release! The soldiers shot their bows. Arrows flew, but something flew in front of them, deflecting each dart. The flash returned to the defensive line of reindeer instantly. It was Dasher, and he lowered his antlers and snorted as a warning. Again! The second volley threw through the air, and again, Dasher <coughs> knocked the arrows down, while Comet, in a blinding glow, leapt from the barrier of deer and swept through the men. In an armor-clashing blast of glowing speed, he mowed down the Roman battle line, returning to the deer's defensive formation. 
Moans of pain and agony came from the men as they tried to recover from the attack. On your feet, Krampus commanded. Ready spears! The men picked their spears from off the ground and with some effort returned to their feet. Once up, they took their spears and held them back over their shoulders, ready to throw with shields in the other hand. Release! The spears sailed toward the deer. Dunder raised both front hooves and came down with a boom. The spears were knocked from the air and scattered at the feet of the deer. Soldiers and horses fell to the ground, toppled by the sonic blast. This was not proving as easy as Krampus had hoped. Though the sun had dipped below the horizon, he was not about to let the Magi and his friends slip through his fingers again. It would end today. The soldiers looked to Krampus for orders as they hurried to get back on their feet and reassemble their battle line. Shields and fire pots! Bows at the ready! The men nodded their approval. This would do the job. One soldier ran down the line with small pots filled with tar as the men on the line placed their shields in a defensive formation. Another man followed behind the first and lit the pots with a torch. Then each archer dipped their arrows in the flaming mixture. A few men behind the lines held smaller pots and prepared for the order. Take aim! Release! The arrows flew while men behind the lines swung and launched their fire pots. Once again, Dasher, using his blinding speed to knock the arrows down and effectively snuff out the flames. Dunder landed his hooves and the boom knocked the pots from the air with Dancer launching in a spinning move that redirected the pots back at the soldiers, but they landed with a crashing splash of fire against several firs as well. The trees erupted into flame all around the warren. The other deer went into action. Bam! Bam! Blixum began blasting away at the men's positions with bolts of lightning. The powerful blast knocked holes in the line as two or three men were cleared from the line with each barrage. Prancer took to the sky, leaping high into the air, then landing on unsuspecting soldiers who yelled out in agony. He knocked their weapons and armor aside with his antlers, then he leapt again high above the trees and rained down upon his next unsuspecting foe. Comet, glowing bright, charged the battle line again, leveling everything in his way. Shields flew and helmets rolled along with the men attached to them. Chaos was underway. Soldiers were soon running everywhere trying to dodge the deer attacks while launching the remainder of the flaming fire pots. Though Dunder and Dancer were able to deflect them, the fire was spreading all around and growing. Then the branches of the Warren tree itself caught fire and soon spread to the entire tree. The whole area was now ablaze. Realizing he had to abandon his plans, Krampus reluctantly prepared to leave. Stay in your little hole and burn for all I care, Magi, he yelled. You have not seen the last of me. Retreat, Krampus called to his men. The soldiers were all too happy to comply. They scrambled to run or ride their way out of the burning woods and away from the deer that were plaguing them. Krampus looked, took one last look at the inferno he created and grinned as he rode off, pulling Rachel's horse behind him. Nicholas turned back from the viewer. That fiend has sent half the forest on fire. The deer are trapped. Daniel, Jeremiah said, bring them inside. Will they come indoors, Nicholas said. When it gets too hot, Daniel said. Yes. What of Lily, Rachel asked. I saw no sign of her, Nicholas said. They must have taken her. And they call us thieves, Rachel said, fuming with displeasure. The group headed for the front door and lowered the steps. Daniel opened the door, 
It was like a blast furnace outside. The door was smoldering. Daniel played his pipes. Each deer turned toward the doorway and walked down into the warren. He counted each deer as it came in until at last Blixem and Dunder were in. Nicholas went to shut the door, but Ben stopped him. Leave that door open, Ben said with urgency. You do not want to see what happens when a reindeer feels trapped. I think not, Nicholas said. Rachel was enchanted. The deer all appeared to like her, and she knelt down to their eye level. Blixem came forward and nuzzled her face. I think he likes me, Rachel said as she stood. She likes you, Ra Jeremiah corrected, somewhat shocked. That is Blixem, and she made the display of friendship to you. What does that mean, Rachel said. It means she will carry you wherever you may need to go, Jeremiah said, for as long as you live. Blixem licked Rachel's hand and looked up at her with affection. Rachel smiled back at her. Then a burning tree fell on the doorway, and the door burst into flame. Smoke and ash billowed into the room. Everyone was coughing, and embers floated in the air. Ben braved the flames to pull the lever and raise the steps, but they would not move. He pulled on it one more time, and the wooden lever snapped. <sighs> Knew I should have cast that one, Ben cursed under his breath. He turned to Jeremiah. We may have to go down to the first cave, Ben said between coughs, <coughs> if we want to breathe. Daniel, lead the deer down, Jeremiah said. Daniel looked at Jeremiah like he was insane. I, I will to try, Daniel said with concern. He blew some notes on his pipes, then grabbed a lit lamp from off a table. One by one, the deer followed him down a passageway. The first cave, Nicholas asked. The first cave we discovered when we came here, Ben said, though I have no idea how we will get the deer down that passage. We will pray, Jeremiah said. Oh, problem solved, Ben said with gleeful sarcasm. Nicholas had a laugh. He loved Ben's optimistic outlook on life, and it was comforting to know he was not the only one to have an occasional doubt. Caleb started to follow the deer down the passage when Ben interceded. Wait, Ben yelled. Those are guardian deer. Give them room or you may have a lot more than smoke and fire to worry about. <laughs> Good point, Caleb replied with a goofy grin. Once the deer were out of sight, the rest of the group followed Ben down the passage. Nicholas could only imagine how uncomfortable it would be to encounter a reindeer in a tight space. Hooves, antlers, and panic were not his idea of a good time. As they traveled down the hall past the workshop, the treasury, and the kitchen, they walked down a path Nicholas had not seen before. Strange noises echoed down the hallway. It sounded like a combination of a hog's low guttural sounds and a cascade of hooves clattering against stone. Nicholas and Rachel looked at each other. Then a loud boom and a rumble sounded, followed by more guttural sounds and clattering hooves. Must have been that prayer, Ben said with a chuckle. The group continued down the path to where the walls were no longer filled with wooden posts, beams, or panels, and began to look much more cave-like. Columns and formations adorned the walls and ceilings of the path, and it was becoming very slick and wet. Water drips were everywhere, and a cold breeze whipped through the passageway, lit by occasional lanterns that hung from the walls. That'd be far enough, Ben said, stopping the group. Nicholas could see they were at the top of a wide pillar. A deep channel flowed down the middle of the pillar and into darkness. As adventurous as Nicholas was, this looked positively unnerving. 
The only ray of light literally was a gleam he saw far below in the distance. Send them to down, Daniel yelled from somewhere beyond, his voice echoing in the chamber. The last deer is out! <clears throat> Wait, Rachel said. How are we to get down there? Climb? No, Ben said. We slide. Grab your boards, Ben told the others. Amos, Enos, Caleb, and Jeremiah each grabbed a slightly curved wooden board with brass handles from a stack beside the path. Ben handed Nicholas and Rachel a board. Keep the backside dry. How is this done, Nicholas asked, nervous at the prospect of sliding in the dark. Amos sat on a board to demonstrate. Hold the handles, he said, and push off! Amos dropped down the channel and into the dark, his voice trailing after him. The drop will do the rest, Ben said. Oh, and lean to the left. Why the left, Nicholas said. To keep from falling into the bottomless pit, Ben said matter-of-factly. Now sit and push off. Nicholas took a deep breath and sat down. He put the endless bag between his legs, grabbed hold of the handles with one hand, and pushed off with another. Then the drop took him. Like a flash, Nicholas shot down the slick, icy channel. He twisted and turned through a series of drops, hit a rocky patch where broken rock was scattered all around, then picked up speed and fell through one final drop, racing toward the light of a lamp held by Daniel. Nicholas flew past and tumbled into a soft pile of straw. Get up, get up, Amos said, pulling him up and hurrying him along. Nicholas could hardly see why until he caught sight of Rachel flying right towards him. He dived out of the way as she crashed into the pile of straw. Fearing she might get hit by the next rider, Nicholas swooped in and carried Rachel out of harm's way. Are you all right, Nicholas said. That was exhilarating, Rachel said. Can we do that again? Not till the fire burns down, Amos said as Jeremiah flew past on his board and hit the pile of straw. Come, see for yourself. Nicholas set Rachel down, and together they walked with Amos toward the opening of the cave. They stared up the hill in silence as the deer stood nearby feeding on some straw. Several hundred yards away, Nicholas could see the fir trees of the glade and the big cedar beside the warren engulfed in flame. He could not help but feel responsible. The fires of his foolishness had raged out of control and burned everyone and everything he loved. He could hardly look at Rachel or the Alpharim. He'd brought ruin to them all. I should never have come here, Rachel said. You were not to blame, he told her. I lit those fires the day I came to Sidon. I challenged Krampus, and everyone has paid the price for my actions, including your father. So if you wish to blame someone for that fire, blame me. And then what? Do I blame you for Bethlehem as well? Was that a fire of your making? Herod would never have known about Bethlehem and not for me. I spoke out of turn in his court and told him of the Magi quest for the newborn king, and all Bethlehem suffered because of me. Nicholas hung his head in shame. I am unworthy of anyone's forgiveness. I wish I'd never been born. I, for one, am grateful you were born. Nicholas looked up, shocked at Rachel's words. Every child born into this world brings goodness with them. And though the world tries to drive it out of them, you still carry it with you. I saw it in your eyes the day you brought us the toys. I saw it in your eyes each night we delivered the gifts to the people of Sidon. And I have seen it in the eyes of the children as they play in the streets of the village. You are right. You have lit these fires. 
fires of goodness and hope, and may they burn brightly from now until the end of time. Aye, Ben said. Aye, the rest of the elf ring called out in agreement. Ye are the seventh, the bringer of hope, Ben added, and nothing these foul Romans could do will convince us otherwise. Aye, the elf ring said in hearty unison. Nicholas wiped away a tear, moved by the show of support. Then let us fan the flames of this hope into a raging fire that can never be extinguished by the likes of Krampus or anyone else. May it be so, Jeremiah said with great enthusiasm. The men echoed his sentiment in a loud cheer of support. My father would be so proud, Rachel said, and gently kissed him with all her heart. Never had Nicholas felt such love and acceptance in all his life, and he savored the moment as he kissed Rachel back with loving emotion. Her love and forgiveness were a balm to his soul, and the pains of the past no longer had any power over him. It was as if the essence of childhood had been reborn in him with all the wonder, curiosity, joy, and belief that comes with it. He was a new man. Ben cleared his throat, <coughs> abruptly reminding Nicholas that he and Rachel were not alone. Not to interrupt, Ben said, but the flames of this fire may soon reach us. What say we retire to the safety of the cave? We shall follow your lead, brother, Nicholas answered, as he looked at Rachel with fond affection. Ben led the way to the mouth of the cave where Daniel had kindled a small fire for light and warmth. As a group gathered around the fire, there were smiles, laughter, and a childlike glow on every face. To see such joy in the face of such devastation amazed Nicholas. They had lost so much, and yet there was still joy. Like the mythical phoenix, they were all rising from the ashes of misfortune with hope in their hearts, and nothing could take that away. It was a night Nicholas would always remember. And that is the end of chapter 11. I'm so glad you can join us. Please come back for the final installment of Nicholas the Bringer and the exciting conclusion in chapter 12. Until then, remember to be strong, be kind, and share the hope.